Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the 69th, that's right, 69th episode of the OpFact Cast. And whoever thought we'd be here today, what a, what a beautiful number. This is truly the biggest podcast milestone, am I right? You're not wrong. <laughs> I was waiting for the delay because I didn't introduce anybody yet. Uh, we got Adam Myros here today. Hi, Steve. Uh, Myros, what's your, what's your uh, favorite 69 story? <laughs> I I don't I don't even He's he's lying. The answer is when he was in eighth grade and he no. carved it into his desk. Uh Sean Glittis is here with us. Hi. Oh that was underwhelming. We got Jake here. I thought you were gonna Hello. ask me a question. No, I, I changed I my mind. Was, I'm not gonna uh, ask you. Forming, a question. Yeah, okay. Actually now that I've introduced Jake, I'm gonna ask Sean a question. Uh Sean, how you been? Sure. I've talked to you in a bit. Uh, really well. I have I have a couple questions to ask you uh, about, but maybe we can talk offline about them. Oh, are they are they of a of a sexual nature or? Yeah, I mean they're all sixty nine related, but it's it's a bit sensitive in terms of the the players and whatnot. Oh, so. logistics. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. You know, it's this is another fucking classic intro. I, I'm glad we avoided the weather, but this I, this is somehow worse. I think. This is, let us let us just like live out our sexual podcast fantasies in the opening thirty seconds. Jesus Christ! Jack is here. Jack, better number four twenty or sixty nine? Well, let me tell you, Steve. Why was six afraid of seven? I don't know, Jack. Because he was a registered six offender. Oh, there we go. So, you know, this has been the OpFat Cast. Thank you very much. Make sure you smash that like and subscribe button. And we'll be back next <laughs> Nothing week. Nothing but Nash. Nothing but smash. All right. <laughs> Anyways, guys, you know, we, we've been known to occasionally talk about movies here, but I don't want to start talking about movies right now. Guess where I just got back from? Uh, Comic Con, Gen, Gen Con, Con, baby, and it was wonderful. Be- oh. Knew it. It was it was wonderful because um, I got to witness a social media meltdown of some random alt right <laughs> YouTube bro who got punched in the fucking face right in downtown Indianapolis. How beautiful is that? That is beautiful. It is. Was it Sargon? I wanted. No, to it wasn't Sargon. Sargon. Wow. It was the quartering, and. Well, it was unfortunate because I, I wanted to, like, you know, I was hoping I'd see him again, like, walking through the convention or whatever, but uh, he's a doughy white guy with glasses and a beard at a board game convention, so guess how hard it was to find him again. Yeah. I was going to say, are you sure it wasn't Stargun? That sounds like a pretty apt description. <laughs> Surely his face... His face just is an extra punchable sensibility. Sure, yeah, it does. So was the uh, was the assailant's hand okay? Yeah, I, I think so. It's, it seems like I don't know if they actually found the assailant. Um, right wing alt right idiot troll Twitter found some guy that matched the description, which was white dude in a shirt with a rainbow on it. So again, there's mm. you know, oh, you know wow. there's there's eighty thousand people coming to Indianapolis for this thing, so he must be the only one. Uh, and then they, they like, doxed him and, and whatever, but I don't think they actually know who it is. And the cops don't care, and Gen Con doesn't care. So really all around, no one gives a fuck, and it's it's pretty awesome. Except I got to tell you, this does illuminate a lot of things for me because this guy was kind of like middle of the ro- road alt-right, uh, you know, nerd Twitter, where he's just like, women are ruining comic books. 
But now that he's been punched in the face, his numbers are starting to grow. And I think, I think we need to adopt the right-wing YouTuber grift for this podcast in order to grow our numbers. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. So hear me out. I'm thinking the angle that we take is alt-right idiot man-baby, but for classic art house cinema. So here's a discussion. Jack, you know why Pasolini was murdered, right? Oh, it's because because he was gay, right? No, it was because he was a gamer. That's what people leave out. <laughs> gamer. That sounds legit. Gamer. Yeah. And then, oh, you, and didn't then we let, say, you didn't let Jack finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're right. I didn't let him finish. That's that's my mistake. I was jumping the gun there. And then we go. Yeah, no, there's a lot going on there. This is now the Pasolini's death podcast. <laughs> yeah, he just game too hard. I mean, bro was in love with Pong. He was a big member of the Pong community, and he was uh, he shot down in his prime for just loving games too much. And the feminist SJW agenda—that's that's who pretty much did it. So I, I'm just so glad that we're making this shift, so I can finally go on about how Anya's Varda is just such a yeah, bitch. exactly. God. Thank you. And you know, make sure you guys tune in next week where we talk about how. Um, you know, Fellini was great to women and portrayed them in an awesome way. Uh, is that why he? Is that why he made a movie called uh, Solo or the Hundred and Twenty Hours of Fortnite? Yes, that's that's correct. That's correct. You haven't seen any past Hundred and Twenty Hours of Fortnite. That's like three days of yeah. gaming. Uh, oh, and if if you're listening to this podcast uh, and you're a member of the alt right, make sure just uh, <laughs> just download Pasolini's Solo right now. Uh, just turn that on, you know? it's It really speaks to the gaming community. I think you're going to learn a lot. Um, you're going to see a lot of yourself in that film, I hope. So there we go. <laughs> so this guy, he's a comic book? Yeah, I think he does, like, comic books and movies. He just does, like, general white guy nerd pop culture stuff, like, wah, Star Wars is bad now. Wah, there's girls in comic books. Um, he... It doesn't do anything particularly original that I can tell. I mean, you, you, you look him up. I mean, you, if you look up his YouTube channel, it's basically a greatest hits of the last five years of, like, generic alt-right YouTube nerd boy takes. Nothing great. Uh, mm. No, thank you. I, I, have, I have seen the occasional video from something called Diversity and Comics, and, and that guy's... Uh, one of the biggest pieces of shit I've ever encountered. Why, why is his name so. Diversity in Comics? Is it because he's like, actually, diversity's bad? Ooh, yes, that, there's that the is hook. correct. Is he good with, like, women with, like, big breasts and big asses in comics? Is that yeah. Like, the, full, the full rainbow of femininity he can incorporate? He's really hearkening back to the Image Comics days. He wants those uh, good old days. Yeah, he wants a... Where everyone is drawn like some sort of monstrous hourglass. <laughs> Just titties growing out of their titties. Where are the quad titty ladies? A three-hour video by me, the quartering. So you went to a, a convention dedicated to board games? That sounds Yeah, great. so it's, I mean, it's, it's really it's a lot of stuff. I sense a little sarcasm in your voice there. I mean, mostly... I'm sorry, I fucking missed it's, it. It's mostly an excuse to uh, hang out with my Michigan friends that I actually care about, uh, drink a bunch of beer, and just hang out. So it's like I, I didn't go to any panels or, or do anything, you know, particularly of interest. Do you see any? Do you see any furries? Oh yeah, furries play board Actually, games. when we when we were rolling into Indianapolis, uh, one of the first things I saw was like a uh, like a Chevy Cavalier like loaded up with furries. So that was cool. Hey, let me let me tell you. One time, I was down in Millennium Park, downtown Chicago, and a bunch of furries were walking around in full fur suits, 
Um, firstly, I thought there must be an event, but no, they were just hanging out in the park. Um, and a little kid was super excited because there were like people in costumes, and his dad was like, "No, no, they're not like that. Don't go near." <laughs> no, them. those mascots like to fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was like a little misunderstanding. It was like a little drama unfolding right next to me. I thought it was a beautiful. That's moment. amazing. Yeah, there's a shitload of furries. Also, uh, a lot of white dudes wearing kilts. Like kilts are a thing. I think it's because, like, oh, like really, like, overweight nerd dudes uh, who mostly wear these things, I think it's so their, like, legs don't chafe together. That's the only thing I can think of because it gives you a breeze on your balls. But I'm... I don't know, but then you got skin on skin. I think that would increase. Just let me know when we're gonna like talk about stuff. Yeah, wait, we're, no, we're, we're, we're gonna talk about that guy ball more. Well, the other thing I was thinking uh, about, yeah, just text me or something. I'm gonna like get some stuff. Uh, I, I, this is yeah, important this is, stuff. We need to hear about that Milton Bradley <laughs> panel. I do want to say one one last thing is I was talking to my Uber driver about this because uh, I'd seen all the guys in the kilts and I was just like, so what do you think about these guys in kilts like sitting in your car? And he's like, well, I didn't really think about it too much. I'm like, so aren't there balls just like on your leather seats like all day? And are they not wearing undergarments? I don't know. So if they are, I think traditionally a kilt does not. Uh, yes. so, wait, what? What you? Do you do how are you wearing a kilt if it's the balls are in the? Have you never worn a kilt before? I, They're yeah, not aprons. I, I would still think there would be fabric, you know, yeah. on the rear end there, Steve. I don't know if they're like hiking it up so that their penises are exposed. <laughs> All right, well, hold on a second. I don't. I'm not sure. I like how Jake asked the question: Have you never worn a kilt before? As if it was like somebody who's like, I've never heard of this Lord of the Rings thing. <laughs> who among us does not want a kilt? I can safely say look, look, I I'm have just, never worn a kilt, but I still understand the fact that, uh, you know, uh, women uh, who wear skirts don't uh, have a problem with their ass directly contacts every. I don't. Well, I don't know if, if these if these men like know how to function in a in a in a kilt or a skirt or anything. Can, like that. can we wind? Can we well, wind? I don't know how to function <laughs> in society. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can, can we wind back to Steve talking about how he went to Gen Con to hang out with all his friends and his one anecdote involves talking to an Uber driver? <laughs> uh, I do have a question about the kills, though. Do, I, aren't they also worried about, like, like the paparazzi taking, like, up-kill oh, shots yeah, up-kill as they're getting shots. out of cars? I don't know. And, and there's, there's a special brand because they have the branding on the side. They're not, like, normal, like, I went to the Scottish Festival and wore my kilt type of kilts. They're called Utila Kilts. And I don't know if that makes a difference in terms of like where your balls are at any given time. Makes it like manly it, it makes or something. It worse. Yeah, they're like carpenter jeans. They have that like hammer strap <laughs> on the side. Chuck Norris jeans, <laughs> ultimate and casual wear. I'm not sure. I, I don't know the logistics of it. Uh, but yeah, if, if if your balls are hanging out and you're wearing a kilt, uh, optimismvaccine at gmail.com, let us know. Or tweet us at optimismvaccine. <laughs> Anyways, guys, a lot of times on this podcast we talk about movies, so I figured I would create a, a little like intro to movie discussion like uh, theme song that kind of segues us so I'm going to put that right here how good was that how much did you enjoy that Oh, fantastic. Can we hear it again? I was assuming that you would just go. Yeah. No. Can we hear no. that again? Yeah, you you want to you hear that one more time? Uh, one more time? Here we go. And yeah. there. Let me take it to the movie, sure. I'm sure later on you will be my baby. Let's sit down and just be by my side. I got the popcorn. I know what I feel like. Oh, my God. 
One thing I like about this whole thing is that it's definitely not indulgent. No, not at all. Not not in the least. Not in the least. So, I I mean I love that. Who would be opposed to hearing it again? Um, not me, Jack. No, I love this. Okay, Keep one going. more time. Here we go. And there. Great. That was amazing. God, I I'm just I'm gonna pat myself on the back for thinking about putting this in. So, hey, let's talk about Unfriended. Because I don't know who else I'm going to talk to it about. Because when I went to the theater, I was the only person there, and then I went like three days after it opened. What time of day were you there? Uh, it was like five o'clock, and it was five dollar Tuesday at the Marcus Majestic. So that's a bad sign. Well, you missed out. I mean, if this was this was the working hour. You of all people on this podcast should know about the working that's hour. That's true. That is true. And make sure you check out... It's like the magic hour only works. <laughs> Discourse from the big chair, baby, an Optimism Vaccine podcast. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe it because people will go see anything on $5 Tuesday. Like, they did one time they were doing like a summer like family fun thing. And it was like 9 o'clock on a Tuesday, $5 Tuesday. And somebody... Uh, they they sold out like Airbud Golden Receiver or some shit. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 really disappointed because I went to it with the guy who talked back to Geico commercials. So wow. um, Did we was... find him on the dark web. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know if you want him showing up there. Actually, it was it wasn't. He laughed loudly at the Geico commercial, and then I don't <laughs> wait. Even which know one who... was it, Jack? Yeah, this is important. Which um, Geico commercial? It involved hot air balloons. That's as much as I remember. It was like oh. a stage play with hot air balloons. Does That's that, different does from ours. Does actually know what that one... Okay. Oh, no. So there was I, that... I think the current run for us is the, uh, like, James Bond villain explaining his plot. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Oh, yeah. That's where we're at right now. Man, good stuff. Geico, 15 <laughs> minutes can save you. I once, got a, I once asked Geico for an online quote. And they weren't the cheapest, so I didn't use them. And they've spam mailed me for a year and a half now. <laughs> so that was really fifteen minutes worth my fucking time. I'd say so. So wait, it was, but it wasn't the gecko. It was like a man. So, so no, no. It, yeah, no. It's like a stage play set up and something. And there was a balloon, a hot air balloon, landed. I genuinely, it was. So, I think it was one of the ones about like how you should turn off your phone. Maybe oh. I don't know. But anyway, it was. I don't even know which company it was that had the. Um, that has what's in your wallet is their slogan. I gen- it's such a good advertising campaign. I don't even know who the <laughs> fuck they are. But that one, when it went to say, what's in your wallet, he went, receipts, loudly. <laughs> oh. And, and seemed very proud of that response. And, and he, got a, he so. got a standing ovation from everyone, right? <laughs> Temp- tempting. I nearly. I nearly <laughs> I oh, my God. You should, you should, yeah, you should have you thanked him for his service. <laughs> Took bravery. Yeah. Well, Geico has an outstanding ad a strategy where they just run uh, 75 campaigns concurrently so that you have no idea what their fucking slogan or mascot or anything is. I'm pretty sure all they want you to do is know who they are, log on, and then they sell your information. I'm pretty sure that's all they're doing. Yeah, it's a scam. It's I don't a scam. even know if they offer insurance. I don't think so. Geico is definitely not an insurance uh, company. Will they sponsor us now? Maybe. We maybe. Well, they're, they're not going to do it after yeah, we... I mean, they seem to throw money yeah. at everything. They're probably not going to sponsor guys, us. Guys, 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 guys. Guys, do you guys see this this other person on the call? Oh, my God. It's like, it's like a silhouette. That, uh, Sean, it's just me. Wait, you... I'm, no, I just no, haven't said anything no, in a minute. There's a fifth, there's a fifth person. There is a fifth person. You, Jake. Uh, it's just blank. Who could that be? 
I don't know, but it's really it's creeping me out. Should we worry about it or not? Um, it looks like I think I think they're a fan of Moonlight. It looks like their name is Chiron Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make this tough? <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, so, Unfriended Dark Web. Sean, I think you're the biggest fan here. So, can you break down for us and the listening audience who didn't see this film, because no one did, what is Unfriended Dark Web? Unfriended Dark Web is the um, second film in the uh, Unfriended franchise. Uh, Unfriended films are um, essentially slasher movies through a one-shot device placed on the desktop of of a protagonist. In that shot, we have a protagonist navigating different windows, but central to that is a Skype call with uh, like four or five different friends. Um, And then Trouble intercedes through different uh, other windows, be it Facebook or uh, dark web stuff in the case of Unfriended Dark Web. So uh, basically in the specific, the specificity of the sequel, uh, our protagonist gets a MacBook from the lost and found at his his workplace and is like taking it home and trying to uh, work on this software that he's built to communicate with his hard of hearing girlfriend and uh, finds out that the laptop that he took was uh, previously owned by one Sharon Four, I believe, um, who dealt with uh, some clients of, of, of whom were dark netizens. And now he has to figure out how to deal with uh, his bidding. I think that I think that covers it. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, and and the best part is is uh, this this guy's laptop, and I like how this is just a, a subplot that doesn't really tie in anything else. I like how he's a catfish. That made me very happy. As a big fan of the TV show, uh, catfish. Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the the way that it plays out is it's it's kind of a it's a tight little thriller. Although I didn't find it particularly thrilling. But it has this advantage over other like micro-budget thrillers in that it doesn't have to establish really a world or anything else. There's just these right. people who are online in environments that we're all familiar with. And literally the whole thing plays out on a desktop scene. That's it. So, uh, you know, you don't have the normal, like, oh, establishing shot. Oh, you know, like... Uh, here, let's introduce all these characters one by one, and, and it, it just moves at a faster clip because the establishing shot is literally a laptop turning on and him logging in. That's all we need to know. Yeah, uh, it's been called Desktop Mise en Scene by one uh, Nick Pinkerton, um, and uh, there is a lineage we don't need to go into depth on, but uh, I think we're also more interested, less in the Desktop Mise en Scene and more of just like sort of this internet thriller history which i'm sure we'll touch on yeah and, and there there is a long history of this shit uh i mean obviously going back to the early 90s with you know stuff like the net sean glennis's favorite movie of all time and pizza.net and uh yeah, the, that's how i learned you could order pizza online you could order a pizza online as, <laughs> as sandra bullock did 
And you got, you got things like the lawnmower, man, which we've, I think we've talked about that on this podcast before, where, you know, people go into the internet, and it's this, you know, horrible-looking 3D monstrosity, and then the internet comes out and kills people. But again, like all these movies, they, they sort of take place as traditional films, and then we just get, like, images of, of what the internet looks like and how they interact with it to, to create these thrillers. And my personal favorite, and by personal favorite, I mean the worst uh it's got to be fear.com which is just the ring except replace the ring tape with a website fear.com but best part uh because the the actual website www.fear.com was already taken they couldn't make that the website in the movie or in the real world as like the you know marketing tie-in so the website in the movie that kills you is www.fear.com Spelled out. Dot com. com. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> nice. You know, they could make that a political thriller by changing it to fear.gov. Mm. That's what they should have done. <laughs> Somebody call up Harrison Ford. It's a winner. Uh, th- I think that would get you a film if you just mentioned that in the vicinity of Jason Bloom right now. Yeah, that's true. Which, by the way, this needs to be said. I know we were going back and forth. For a while, I was calling it Blumhouse. And then on a podcast, you guys are like, no, Blumhouse. It's Jason Bloom. It's Jason Bloom, but the name of his company is fucking Blumhouse. Why? I don't know why, but that's the name of his company. Proof. One, I was listening to a podcast, and they were running commercials for a movie that was produced by Blumhouse. And they kept saying Blumhouse. And I was like, hmm, maybe they're getting it wrong. And then I looked it up. And on Twitter, the official Twitter Blumhouse account, somebody tweeted at them and was just like, how do you pronounce this? Is it Bloom or Blum? And they responded with Blum like Plum. Boom. It's Blumhouse. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's rigorous research, yeah. and I, I respect Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. I just need to re-educate you, Sean. Someone needs to do it. No, I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, I found out it was Bloom because I heard like an actual interview with the man. And did he, did he but... call it Blumhouse, or did he just say, hello, I'm Jason Bloom? I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. Uh, I, I don't think he actually referred to his own um, house because uh, uh, because What's the interviewer. Welcome to the, the Blue House. house. <laughs> well, maybe that's maybe that's what he calls his house is the Bloom House, and so he didn't want to get confused, you know, in conversations with his family and whatnot. So he was like, "My production company will be called Blum House." Right, that makes the most sense. This is patently insane. I, I have to suggest that either his name is Blum. <laughs> His or name the is Bloom. Is Bloomhouse? It can't possibly be both. That's madness. Hey, man, hit the dark uh, web. You'll figure out the truth soon enough. Maybe once plausible deniability, if something happens at the company, that's also possible. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sick of you sheeple just accepting things. You got You got to look into this stuff. Hashtag QAnon. I just, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to pronounce it however uh, it strikes me in the moment. I'm surprised Steve wasn't more into this movie, considering the framework involves uh, a group of friends getting together on Skype to play a board They're game. They're not even playing a board game. They're just half-heartedly playing Cards Against Humanity. Wait, why? That sounds like the worst night why ever. Would that appeal, why would that appeal to Steve's uh, sensibility? Because Gen Con, duh. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, oh, uh, I already oh, forgot Chris. the first ten minutes of the podcast. <laughs> full circle. Oh, my um, God. Well, uh, anyway, Steve, as to get us back on course as, as part of my uh, <clears throat> redemption arc, um, as you were saying, the nature of this movie doesn't allow us to get caught up in sort of the mundanity of setting up a world. 
Uh, and I, I, I agree very much where we're just plopped in front of the computer and we have to discern what is going on and what their problems are. For instance, as I said, he gets his computer, he gets this laptop from, from, uh, from a workplace lost and found, but God forbid we have to like actually watch that in a movie that doesn't have the same rigor. Yeah. No, that, that, that and, would be pointless. Yeah, so instead it comes out naturally through, you know, dialogue with his Skype friends. Of like, oh, where'd you, oh, you got a new computer, blah, blah, um, And that, that I mean, that uh, extends to how the plot moves as well, where we don't have little, like, um, <clears throat> pieces where somebody has to walk around campus or anything. You know, like, everything is just moving from one to the next. Nobody's making breakfast or, you know, any of that shit. Uh, it's just always hitting on the next beat of the plot, which is nice. Sure. But yeah, I mean, it, it shares an intestine with something like Hitchcock's Rope. I mean, it's kind of a condensing of time and space. This and the first and friend that both did it. It's, uh, I mean, ostensibly a single take. So, it, you know, it kind of, uh, you know, all the filmmaking tricks are, are hidden. And I mean, it's a pretty good idea for a thriller, honestly. It kind of, you know, if you can do it well, it, it like I say, it removes extraneous details. It means you have to be clever about how you build things, but it does kind of create this intensity because there's no cut to the next day there's no release from the scene at any point you know you're in there for the duration unlike unlike Hitchcock's rope we aren't like taken behind a chest to where it's black and then uh, the new shot starts so that's nice well no no they've, they've improved the technology so it can be abused by Inurito and the thousand <laughs> other shitty directors <laughs> yeah you don't have to do that anymore uh, I, I was actually surprised. I, I don't know the details of how Dark Web was shot. I'm guessing it has, like, you know, more cuts and probably a longer shooting schedule. But I know with the original Unfriended, they just they just shot for, I think it was I think it was 16 days or something. And it was just, like, two straight weeks of 12-hour days shooting this movie uh, where everybody was just in a house uh, and, and they just had Skype running and they would just, you know, just record. For these twelve-hour days, yeah, it was essentially a play. Yeah. I've heard of, like, I've heard of Inaritu, but in a house, mm-hmm. totally different. Less, it's the next next generation. Less Spanish, uh, but <laughs> but yeah. So th- then they, I think they spent a couple of days after that, just like you know, shooting a couple of retakes and some inserts and stuff like that. Uh, and the other thing they did with the original Unfriended that I thought was was kind of interesting is because of this style and the way that I mean, you you can't exactly make this movie like cinematic in in the traditional sense so to get more authentic reactions out of the actors and actresses in the first unfriended they would ask them they would say you know they pull someone aside and say hey can you improv this scene and do something different with it but they wouldn't tell anyone else what they were doing or they would change lines for three or four of them at the last moment and also i guess the way that the actors and actresses in the original Unfriended were led, they were led to believe that there was one ending, that some someone or something was the killer, and then the way the movie was edited together, um, it, it proved to be completely wrong. So the way they kind of manipulated the actors and actresses to get more out of them, because obviously, you know, these aren't master thespians, they're getting paid uh, Blumhouse cash here, and uh, like I said, the, because of the fact that they're limited to a little uh, Skype screen, you're not getting just you know amazing acting performances that you could see visually I, I don't know I like I getting back I, I don't know which one we want to discuss first but I think Unfriended is uh, maybe I'm the most f- 
the biggest fan of Unfriended, the first one. I think Unfriended is genuinely a really impressive film. And for a lot of the reasons you outlined, I think it's a very cleverly done production. It's low budget, it's cheap, but it's they ring a lot out of it. Um, in terms of performances, I, I don't know, it works. Like, within the first five minutes they're doing, you know, they're kind of... the It's boyfriend-girlfriend flirting, kind of long, you know, that kind of, like that awkward thing he, he the guy's being established as like a douche bro so he like pulls out a knife and does like this bad joke about cutting <laughs> her clothes off and stuff but it's it's it really honestly feels like a very real scene to me like they, there's a very good chemistry being created there a good discussion being built there like the first unfriended and and I don't know maybe they looked out or maybe it's just it it rings true to me but like there's just this great it, like, it really doesn't feel lacking. It feels better acted than most of these films. And maybe it is because they're just tiny squares. And I know, like, watching it recently, like, I do notice that, like, certain actresses or actors disappear from the discussion for minutes at a time, just go quiet, and it's like there's no real establishment of what they're doing, um, which might be, you know, a lack of, you know, pull out from the, the, real, the realism of it. But I don't know, like, it just, it really works. And I feel like Unfriended 2 does pretty well at it as well it's not I, I think it's a weaker film personally i guess we'll discuss the balancing between those two as we go but um i don't know like unfriended just really it felt very good to me i think it's a genuinely good film uh i don't know if anyone else is on board for that but uh, i that's me i, I don't know I, for sure uh, i certainly think the second one is i think uh, dark web is definitely my preference it's just more in my personal wheelhouse i suppose it's like it's just a thriller it's a todd thriller there's nothing to it it's a very stripped down movie uh and i was i went in i had not seen the first unfriended i'd heard i know we had kind of a polarizing reaction here like i know steve initially was not a fan of it and um still not i i yeah i i definitely did not really see the appeal of the format, but you know, going into this, uh, I was expecting something rough. Especially when they were introduced to uh, Matthias, the main character. I'm like, eh, it, it started to reek of bye bye man to me. Uh, <laughs> but then, I don't know. The, the, these it didn't fall into a lot of trappings that these low budget movies do. Where I, I actually cared what happened to the characters to an extent. There, maybe because again we don't spend that much time with them that they they almost feel more real and less abrasive. But this movie in particular, I felt like the cast was fairly charming and they did what they needed to do, and they didn't include grading detail that was just like yeah. okay now I and the first movie is guilty of that a little even though it certainly has its strengths where you're dealing with more of a high school cast and I mean certainly the actors aren't but the, the characters are high schoolers and very petty and it falls almost into the category of say a Friday the 13th movie or something where you're you're almost actively rooting for the vengeful spirit to, <laughs> to take these kids out one by one because I think that's an interesting element <laughs> yeah but but the weird thing in the first one is that the vengeful spirit is also an asshole I think that's a really weird and the pettiness sells it for me because it really I don't know I just like this concept that like it doesn't matter that it's petty this is the internet this is high schoolers of course <laughs> it's petty and it's the end of the world and it's a disaster but another I, also, I would mention about, about the two movies just as like something that I do think is, is interesting is that 
these two films, I think, grasp how we actually use computers better than almost any other films I've seen. And with that, with Eighth Grade as well, this year is another film that really grasps how people actually use technology in their lives. And it's kind of amazing to me because we talked about The Net and uh, there have been various other films that have come along that have, like, computery settings. But, like, it's like YouTube came up in about 2005 was when it started to really become popular and so on. And, you know, AIM was replaced by Skype and all of these things. But, like, this all happened over a decade ago. And it's just now these movies are starting to show up that actually comprehend, that are being made by people who did this that seemed to comprehend that we actually use computers and I think it's really it's it's actually novel like when I watched Unfriended that when they you know did Google searches for this or toggle through different tabs and pulled up and researched an email address or whatever that these are all things you do when you're on the internet when you're trying to find something out if you're vetting a you know a contact are you saying whatever. are you saying you're not persuaded by uh, Tom Holland binging on a Sony computer <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Not so much with, like, Mission but, Impossible, where he goes searching for, like, Max.com to find someone named Max on the internet. <laughs> what, what, what you were kind of, like, what you were kind of alluding to, uh, Myros, and this goes with what I was saying previously about, like, sort of the, the beat-to-beat thing, um, <clears throat> is that, like, these people also, uh, the characterization benefits from it all having to come out of this constriction of conversation. Like, we don't... Like, the films don't have to characterize them with, like, you know, other utilities. Like, it all comes out through the Skype call, who these people are. Which is much more interesting than, you know, uh, band t-shirts and posters on the wall and that type of shit. Yeah, I mean, and again, I said this unity of time and space, and they ratchet up the tension and things start to get worse for everyone. They start blurting stuff out because they're you know, under pressure. People are dying. And it 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 creates that, yeah, I mean, it allows them to move the plot forward, but it kind of, like you say, it strips away a lot of the necessity for establishing this and that. We don't have to meet their relatives. We don't have explanations of any of this. You know, it's not necessary. It really gets cut down to brass tacks very, very quickly. Yeah. Well, and, I, yeah, and, and that's that's the other thing, too, is, you know, you, you're able to have this economical script and it's interesting the different directions that they're able to take it in um and i'm not the biggest fan of of either film i I appreciate the elements the individual elements and how interesting they are from a like just a form and a set of standpoint but that being said they don't neither one really gelled for me that much um but the original is a supernatural ghost story like a haunt like a literal ghost in the machine Whereas the second one is is way more grounded in reality, um, but mm-hmm. I I do appreciate I don't know about that. that. <laughs> I do appreciate how even though they're what I mean what are they four years apart from each other or give or take three years apart from each other? Yeah, one three is years. one is teens and one are like early twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty fourteen to sure. twenty eighteen. So yeah, sure. Four years. And, but they feel like they yeah like you mentioned, Jack. These are people who understand the actual technology that's being used and they use them like normal people which is not something you normally see even with really mundane internet shit the, the, like the thing that I always come back to when I think about how the internet is portrayed in film Orphan, Orphan. <laughs> thank you Myros uh, yeah. <laughs> you, have you, Jake have you seen Orphan? I watched it for Mother's Day this okay. year I've not seen it I've not seen it so no uh, okay, big spoiler Whoa, cover dirt. your ears uh, at one point they start to discover that the uh, the titular orphan may be more than just an orphan. 
So the mom sits down at the co- at the computer and goes on to Google and just to figure out what's going on with her with her weird kid. She just Google's children that kill, and then of course all the answers. So I don't think she goes to. Google, I think she goes to, like, search.com. Well, that's the bye-bye man is search.com. <laughs> that's right. That's what it's all about. Search well, for all hey, your needs. Uh, we haven't heard from Jake, and I'm, I'm genuinely curious because I don't know what you think. What, uh, what do you sure. think of both of these? I think uh, I think both of them are better than they have any right to be because I remember sitting in a theater in 2015 and seeing the preview for Unfriended 1, and I thought it looked like a piece of shit. Because the trailer is like a comedic masterpiece and how it's edited and it shows all the shocks and scares and it just leaves you there. And I thought, wow, this looks bad. And I watched it like a year later on, I think it's either on HBO Go or Netflix. And I was surprised at how effective it was. And I think a lot of that is how well it uses the interface of one screen. Um, because if you're listening to this podcast out here and if you haven't watched either of these movies, you might think, okay, this could, that could be a little boring just watching one screen, but they actually use the interface and multiple apps pop up and they utilize it very well. So the films themselves actually are able to be kept visually interesting throughout. Um, even though a lot of it is just teens squawking at each other. But I'm also I'm I'm with Adam. I'm Team Dark Web. I think uh, the first one is a supernatural haunt with one ghost affecting six teens or however many it is. Mm-hmm. This uh, Dark Web takes the idea and it runs with it in the most gloriously stupid fashion that just is I find delightful because not only you have these hackers that that they're dealing with the dark the dark web death cult of Sharon's. Uh, they found a way to like ha- like hijack uh, face cams so that they can blur and distort their faces when they're wearing hoodies, and they can also infiltrate Facebook messengers and add and delete messages in different fonts. I don't know. I just it worked a lot better for me that the film kind of embraced the stupidity, for lack of a better word. But I think uh, I think it's a more, more rousing and successful it's movie. Fair to- isn't it fair to say, I mean, like, I don't think one film is more realistic than the other. The first one yeah, that's, it all off as supernatural. Yeah. The second one is... Yeah, the first one's a ghost. Accurate. The second one is... The, yeah. the, the second, second one, one says, fuck it, to rules. The second one treads in the, uh, the idea, which is true for a lot of people, that we don't really know what these people can do. Like, we don't know what the hackers can do. So, I mean, obviously there's a bit of a suspension of disbelief, but, like, for a lot of people, you probably don't know where that stops and starts, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, they, they jump off. I mean, they, they talk about how they can turn on webcams without turning on the light to let you know they're on, which is actually true. You know, that's a notice about covering webcams. I mean, those articles are always circulating. So, yeah, yeah. it does have a jumping off point. But then, yeah, like Jake says, when they're like real time hacking where, uh, video is that, feeds online. Is that why I can never see you guys on the Skype yeah, call? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I, got, I got my webcam covered, man. Well, no, I mean... Oh, I'm out here just, like, webcamming for nothing. <laughs> I actually don't even have a camera hooked up, so... Yeah. That's a shame. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I like both films, surprisingly, but the, the second one, especially for me, was like... It, it just really surprised me in the theater how engaged I found myself. Like, there's... That Kofefi joke just reeled you in. Oh man, <laughs> I can't believe they did that. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, Field of Burn 2018. Yeah, when they're running through uh, these 
snuff films, essentially. Oh, it's God. Just, it's just to me, like, I was surprised by how gripped I was. I was like, where yeah. is this movie headed? Like, there's real tension achieved in this film. And I don't know. I didn't think it was, like, beyond the suspension of disbelief for me. Like, especially the symmetry they brought in at the end of the film with this being sort of the an elaborate hackers game nights. Like, so... I guess that means that this this sort of stuff is is planned ahead of time, and presumably this laptop is infected with enough stuff that would probably give them some capabilities beyond what you might expect. But, sure. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I I didn't really have that disconnect with this film, and I was shocked by how much I liked it. I thought I I think this is like an actually good movie. I, I mean, a lot of times we talk about these Blumhouse things with, <laughs> with a sort of a, a half sneer and and you, you kind of get a, you get what you get out of it. They're, I usually find myself enjoying them to an extent, but I could poke holes in, in something like Upgrade and, and Truth or Dare is a masterpiece for all the wrong reasons, but this is this is a good movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd and say they're both good, but yeah, I mean, like, and I would say when I say I prefer the first one, I still really like. I was not bored by Dark Web, and I'm curious, Steve. I mean, as someone who you say you're not a fan of either of them, but like, were you bored at any point? No, I, I wasn't bored. You I know? think for me, I I put a lot of the puzzle pieces together before the movie revealed how they fit together to you know the audience. So I was just like, ah, oh, I think I know where this is going. Uh, and some of the stuff in Dark Web, like the little Max Headroom-esque shenanigans that were going on whenever the hackers would show up, it was just kind of eye-rolly for me. Um, as far as the, the script goes and, and how the, the film is constructed, I think Dark Web's a much tighter film, and I appreciate it more for that. Uh, the problem that I have with it is it's like naturally kind of a silly movie, but it, it also wants me to take it seriously. Well, that's kind of why I like the pettiness of the first yeah. one. That, you know, that's, and I think that is something that I, I, I can agree with. And I kind of like the idea of just this, you know, it's just, it's all a silly sin just brought to the most extreme conclusion possible. Oh, absolutely. Rather than like an elite band of dark hackers. It just feels a little bit, uh, I, yeah, don't know, I don't know. The, the other issue I will mention that I had with Dark Web is that one of the actresses, I it, I couldn't place her, but I knew I'd seen her before. Get Out? Benny Gabriel? But, uh, no, it's, um, oh, is there someone from Get Out in there? I didn't even recognize. No, it was, um, I can't even remember her name, but she's in the Mindy Project, which I've has been on television while I've been in the room before. So uh, I, was, I spent the whole thing going like, where do I know her from? Uh, which I didn't have that problem with the first one. They were all genuine unknowns to me, which I think maybe helps with the verisimilitude of the film environment. <laughs> like I don't I mean, have to think about like they're all actors. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Betty, Betty Gabriel from Get Out. I was rec- uh, recognizing her from Upgrade. Just yeah, upgrade. yeah. yeah. You know, she's, she's become like every Blumhouse. Yeah, player. she's she's become the uh, Blumhouse player. Um, <clears throat> uh, sh- God, what was I gonna say? I don't well, know. I will, I will say this, and, and here's where I'm torn: is like Jack mentioned, like the the kind of the the silliness, the over the topness, and the seriousness of ah hackers. That doesn't necessarily work with me, as well as just the natural like goofiness of yes, your computer is haunted. 
with a petty murder ghost. Uh, and, and the other thing is just just how goddamn stupid the first unfriended can be, and not necessarily in a bad way, just but in a silly over the top way. Like I always talk about how literally this is a movie about a vengeful ghost who came back to murder a bunch of people from high school because they put a video of her poop in her pants on the internet. Like, that is a fucking hilarious setup. That is never not going to be hilarious to me. And even even the kills, even the kills, like... I see, I see why, I see why. Because you're, you're a bully. That's why you, <laughs> you don't like this movie. You're scared by unfriendly. I, I am. And also, Too I love scatological humor. Um... But but it's not humor. The, the kills, Jesus Christ! The fat guy sticking his hand in the blender and he does like the truffle shuffle as he's That's eaten alive good. by the blender. <laughs> oh, That's good. At one point, he has to he has to remove the entire top of the blender and stick his throat onto it because otherwise, how would you die from yeah. a blender? Uh, I thought that was pretty good. I, no, but like one thing I like about Unfriended, and this maybe is going down a weird rabbit hole to me, but there's this there's one scene in Unfriended where it's hinted that the ghost, the girl who is now a ghost, a vengeful spirit, was like sexually abused by her uncle as a child, and only the main character knows this. The character whose view screen we're viewing that makes them the main character. Uh, we don't ever see them outside of a film screen, but that's that's how it works. Um, and she's trying to tell that to the others and she keeps editing and we see her typing and she keeps typing and deleting and typing and deleting and she eventually goes from like she was abused by her uncle down to it was a you know she had family issues and like completely neuters it and I thought that was a really interesting insight and how we or like an interesting touch on how we communicate online and how we can overshare or undershare or communicate ineffectively at the moment and try and maintain propriety and then it comes back like this, like I mentioned before, I think one of the interesting things about Unfriend is that honestly, the girl who they bullied to the point of suicide seems like a terrible person too, based on what they were talking about. You know, that she seems like she was part of a clique as well. They're all popular kids, you know, whatever. Um, and now she's coming back for vengeance, but she seems like a, you know, she's not exactly like a, she wasn't like a cool person. Or yeah, she's not a she martyr. Yeah, and she sounds she sounds awful too. But then we have like I don't. It kind of almost reminded me, as weird as it is, of like Twin Peaks and Laura Palmer and this idea of someone who's weaponized their sexuality because of, as a coping mechanism. And Unfriended doesn't deal with that at all. But it's kind of yeah. inserted generally, and so be, and it, it kind of comes into this whole teen culture, which is why I kind of I like the teen element in the first film. I think it really expands well on like it's petty but it's also very really serious and teens you know operate like that they're still the world is very it's very small for them but very very intense you know they kind of still live with their parents but like everything like they're they're martyrs they're all suffering grandly they're every one of them their parent is hitler somehow except you know like because they're they're learning to sort out the world and fix things so i thought there was like there's just enough undercurrent to it to make it interesting and that she and that as well that she's not like they didn't bully a princess you know idealized person it was someone who was just like them who came back to deal it back to them again and that they all vacillate throughout the film and their opinions of her that like she was a slut and a whore and then they're kind of like well you know it's it's okay and it was a misunderstanding and stuff i just i just like that element whereas the the dark web 2 they're all older like they're all in their 20s and 30s and it's just sort of like 
I don't, like they all handle it very well. It's it's it, the acting. I think in these films, like it works well. The characters are built well, but it just it doesn't have that intensity of being a bunch of teenagers at like this just pivotal point in their life, which obviously is pushed forward in the film by the fact that it's a vengeful supernatural spirit. But you know, it's kind of like uh, the drama just seems better pitched for me in the first one. As silly I, well, as the whole thing is. The thing that uh, the second one, Dark Web, drives some, derives some drama from, which I really like, is this relationship with his girlfriend, Matthias' girlfriend, uh, Amaya, who's hard of hearing, as I mentioned. Um, like, there's always this tension between him and the Sharon, like the, the previous owner of the computer. And then that is also pitched next to the drama between him and his girlfriend and they're having some relationship troubles and it feels like like their communication is off and they're it, it seems very frail and the way that that is used uh with the with the visual communication between different windows i think is really smart um the way that he gets interrupted by her and he's balancing these different windows of like dealing with the hacker and dealing with the, the the Skype, you know, which lots of times he has to pretend that it's all a game or that everything's fine with his friends. And then he has this thing. Like, I, I feel like that's a really smart way to use all of these windows to communicate, like, this is how a lot of us actually live online is, is through all of these different vernaculars, uh, which are all particular to who we're communicating and what the interface yeah. is. Yeah, and this might I like something to bring in because um, I think that's built up his relationship with the girlfriend and their communication issues is cemented in one of the endings because it's worth mentioning. The yeah, which fuck yeah that. we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, which which I saw the shitty one. So we saw the good one. I think everybody else yeah. saw the good one, right? Yeah, yeah I, I saw the, I saw the good one, which was fine. But I when you told me about the bad one, I was like, what the fuck? Why would you do that as the end of your movie? Because it, yeah. do, it doesn't change anything. It's just, it's just a worse way to end the movie without changing anything. <laughs> well, it rips out that the poignancy of hitting back on that uh, that deaf uh, sign language through line. That's, again, one of the things I, I found this script to be, again, surprisingly efficient and almost elegant in the way it, it always kind of swings back to those various There's so many parallels and it, a lot of the stuff that I found myself questioning during the course of the film on the hacker front is, is less. Oh, their face blurs out. Uh, that that doesn't bother me. I could get behind that. But there's all this stuff that I'm like, it during the course of the movie, like the fact that he has access to any of this stuff on this computer and has any way of getting at it. I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. If this is like some dark web master of hacking there is no fucking way any he would have access to uh, be able to get at that bank account or well, yeah, they, they do save kind of, accounts and stuff like that it's like well that's all insane considering they do a silly a, deus ex machina kind of thing where it's like where it all turns out to be planned from the beginning it still right. doesn't account for specific decisions that he makes throughout like it's over like they no one can plan psychology that accurately which to me is a little like it's not a main major thing but like yeah i think that it's it's a little too clever or claiming that the assailants are a little too clever whereas ghosts can just do whatever the hell they like because they're ghosts well see i i don't know that it it does i don't i didn't see the gaps there i saw the gaps in the behavior of under underestimating the hacker but which was all kind of 
justified by making it this this game night parallel. But I but they they said they, they, they wanted them they to move did. the money and things like that. I don't like think that. they did predict that though. I think they you know you see almost like a betting line. So they're betting on every decision this guy's going to make. Mm. So they potentially have a contingency for whether he moves the money or doesn't move the money. They're going to react one way if he does, one way if he doesn't. They're not predicting human behavior so much as they're uh, but they still plan a range of things he would think of. Like I, mean, I know we're talking the ex- extreme hypothetical here, but you know, kind of like it, 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 like if they've set up a range of elements, he thinks of them. I suppose like it's not yeah. a plot hole per se. It's just for me, kind of maybe a strange. Sure, element. I mean, for the hackers, they're basically mapping it out like one of those old choose your own adventure books. But but right. the idea yeah. is is that they have at least in their minds they've conceived of all the possible options. So it, it is. And they've they've served to like bottleneck his options yeah. to an extent too. Uh, I, I don't know, and I think I understand why Sean loves these films so much because, especially talking about how, uh, especially in in Dark Web where they have the parallels of the multiple discussions going on, where he's stressing out about the hacker and what's going on. He's trying to deal with his friends, and he's also stressing out about his girlfriend who he's in a fight with. Uh, it actually parts of it reminded me of the the last like third of personal shopper in a way uh yeah just absolutely. because like she's trying to deal with her own shit but then she sort of gets roped in she being Kristen stewart uh gets roped into uh this whole like text messaging back and forth with this killer uh guy and and i think again just knowing how much sean loves personal shopper that makes sense that you enjoy those, well, those kind of parallel conversations yeah, um, that, that's interesting to, to bring up, and I've talked a little bit offline with, like Jack was talking about eighth grade and, and these unfriended films as being like sort of uh, building a, a cinematic language for technology or just like representation, I guess, on screen. And uh, Olivier Assayas is definitely should be acknowledged for that. Uh, one for Personal Shopper because that long text scene just being like, you know, people like refer to it quite often in reviews as like Hitchcockian. And yet she's just like on her phone for like 40 minutes or whatever the hell it is. And it's it's magnifying. Um, magnetizing. What, uh, whatever. Um but also, also his previous film uh, from early in the aughts, um, Demon Lover, also deals with communi- er, the internet and and how different things online are changing and, and our relationship to them. I think is interesting in a different way, uh, outside of just representation of how we're logistically using them and more of just like sort of the back door of that. Um, and I, I'm interested to see uh, his film that's coming out this fall. Uh, previously called ebook, nonfiction, <laughs> um, which is uh, by all uh, signs uh, about Juliet. But ben- is it Juliet Binoche? I can't remember. Uh, basically, playing with uh, an ebook, like a Kindle, uh, for her movie. So I I expect that to be in line with with that long stretch in Personal yeah. Shopper. So one thing I want to talk about is. Before before we wrap up the unfriended movies and move to something a little a uh, little more unsavory, <laughs> yeah, uh, this the unfriended sequel. Surprisingly, the original writer and original director are not involved in any way with with unfriended yeah. dark web. And this movie is actually written and directed by this movie being unfriended dark web. 
is written and directed by Stephen Susco. Do you know who Stephen Susco is? Yeah, he's the was, writer director of Unfriended yeah, Dark. So aside from that, well, I was I was looking at his his resume and I I'm like, how do I like this? Screen exactly. Screen? I was just about to call you out on that, Marlos, <laughs> because Stephen Susco is a greatest hits of everything I've hated from the last like 15 years. So credit. You know what though? Food. You know what he does what? know? He obviously knows the little 1994 comedy that we've talked about in the Outback Channel on some podcast or another before. Clifford, starring Martin Short and Charles. There, there is there is a Clifford. There is a Clifford shout out with the with the bomb threat scene. Spoiler alert for all you unfriended <laughs> fanatics who haven't seen this it's one. It's so yet. good. It's so yeah, good. It's, I'm going to assume they were planning to polish up that Photoshop and that uh, audio before they actually sent it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's again to the movie's credit. That's a thing that people do. I mean, not like that, but swatting happens all the time where. You know, people like, oh, it's a joke, and ha, 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 and we're going to call the SWAT team, and then, you know, people, they, that's what they do. They Can we, yeah, that's probably my favorite part in the whole in the <laughs> whole series, swatted? is the guy who gets swatted to death, yes. Because not only do the hackers go through, because this guy, that he's like the funny guy of the group, he also has like these conspiracy videos that he posts on YouTube. Not only, not only do the hackers go through what has to be hours of footage to put together a threatening 911 call, but he sets up earlier that he's installed these checkoff speakers in his bedroom, and they connect his computer to the speakers to play an audio sound effect of a shotgun cocking so that when the police come to his door, he gets gunned down. I think that scene is incredibly it's, mean. Like, I, I, I love brilliant. it, but it's incredibly mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's no doubt it's cruel, but I think just the, just the way everything is, all the pieces fall mm. into place. I, yeah. Was I would say fantastic. that scene reflects poorly on the police and suggests they're trigger happy, <laughs> which is clearly outside totally of the unac- realm of reality. Hey, yeah, guys. totally unacceptable. Fucking blue lives matter. Okay. <laughs> they must do. They keep getting away with an awful lot of stuff. Yeah, I I, I, I have more of the uh, blue check marks matter. But well, uh, and the, the great thing about here. the swatting scene too is swatting is is a real world problem that is much easier to pull off. Like there, there's such a grandiosity to the way that these hackers do this ridiculous swatting thing. Yeah. Like literally. If I wanted to swat one of you, all I would have to do right now is just, like, Sean, let's say I'm swatting you. I call the Lansing Police Department and I say, hi, my name's Sean Glynis. Boy, I love guns and I got a lot of them. And then that's it. (laughs) And then they just kick your door down. That's what they do. Like, it's it's not even hard because cops, especially cops in small towns or... You know, small cities, they're they're looking for an excuse to kick your door down and shoot you in the fucking face. So, of course they're going to... See, I think we'd have better luck swatting you. We'd just uh, say, ah, I'm Steve Cuff, there's a couple black guys in my apartment. And then, oh, I'd be oh. in big trouble because... <laughs> Milwaukee PD gets out there. <laughs> my neighborhood is like, is like 95% black. If you called a SWAT team here, I would be dead in 30 seconds. We should also explain why swatting is used. It's it's mostly in the world of internet gamers who live stream their them playing video oh, yeah. games because they'll be playing a game and then in the background all these SWAT guys with guns walk into their bedroom and point their guns at them. The gamer has to stand up and put his hands up while his stream is still running. That's why people swat yeah, because other. it's it's oh, literally public embarrassment. Yeah. Yeah. It's Broadcasting, yeah. <laughs> it's it's broadcast embarrassment because, you know, if someone walks in it's, and pulls a gun on you, you're going to freak the fuck out. And then it's like, ha, 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 look at this yeah. guy. It's public embarrassment. 
Yeah, it's public embarrassment in the best in the best case, case scenario. scenario. Yeah, <laughs> That's, it's it's done with that in mind. But also, there's like a fifty fifty shot that you're literally gonna die. Yeah. Middle case scenario, they kill your pets. Worst case scenario, they kill your pets and you, and then your parents have to buy a new front yeah, door. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and probably a new computer if any of that gunfire mm-hmm. That's catches true. it. That's true. There's a lot of risk. A lot of risk. Uh, well, should we move yeah, on? Yeah, I just want to point out... Wait, wait you got to get to the man's credits Oh, yeah. Here. I just want to point oh, out God. really quick that Myros loves the script of a film written by the man who brought us... <laughs> The Grudge, The Grudge 2, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw 3D, which is one of the worst things I've ever seen, and two movies. It's who, terrible. They, they both star people that you've heard of, but I don't recall anything about them. Beyond the Reach hey, people and can Red. change, Steve. And I, I, people can change. Can they? Can they? Look, look uh, Broken Clock is right twice a day. Also, did you watch that 3D movie with 3D glasses, or were you only wearing 2D glasses, and then that's your Fun problem? Fun thing about Texas Chainsaw well, 3D is it, it is the poorest use of 3D technology. In addition to just being one of the worst horror movies ever made, they don't even utilize the 3D aspect. There's there's no reason for it. Sean, 3D, 3D versus 2D glasses. I hate to tell you that all glasses exist in three dimensions. It's... Just how they Sick work. burn. Oh, well, maybe that's where the confusion lies. He was like, well, these glasses are three-dimensional. Put on his 2D glasses. <laughs> they handing out 2D glasses at the... Are they prescription? So, you know Jack? All glasses matter. <laughs> so I, I guess in his defense, he... He is not the the writer on Texas Chainsaw 3D. He only is, he has a story. What's credit, the story? What What's the story? the story of that Fart movie? noise? Yeah, he, he's credited for coming up with uh, Leatherface harasses teens. It's <laughs> the general <laughs> outline. Imagine if crazy man kills people. <laughs> Copyright. Like, we're making a Texas Chainsaw movie in 2013. What should it be about? I don't know, Leatherface. <laughs> That's literally the whole plot. Midriff, a lot of midriff. A lot of midriff in that movie, too. I think, because you got to remember, Texas Chainsaw 3D, that was 2013. The midriff stuff, that was hot like 2017, maybe 2016. I think Texas Chainsaw 3D, if you're going to credit it with anything, it's kicking off the, uh, the, the midriff revolution. I'm, wait, what, the midriff revolution was surely like it the was, 90s. It was, but it came so. back around because of Texas, Texas Chainsaw 3D. I, I never knew it came back around. I didn't... Okay, I why missed that st- one. Why, apparently, so you don't it's look a real full house clad teens. <laughs> Damn. Damn it all. Oh, God. Uh, okay. Are we ready? I think we're ready. Boys, you watched yeah. a movie which I refused to watch. Uh, and by refuse, I mean I just kind of forgot to. Uh, what what is friend request and why should I watch it or not watch it? Well, I watched this a year ago, uh, but still remember it quite clearly. Are, are, wait, wait, Sean, so Sean, please. are you gonna deny this friend request? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, <clears throat> very Thank funny. You. Thank you. Uh, is this T? Is this TV? Uh, it might be. It might be. Side um, reruns. Well. Thank you. Uh, I didn't know if it was. I didn't know if it was. uh, Well, I knew Jake was here, so I thought it was TNT because characters are welcome. But um, this is a really drawn out way of saying that friend request is also the ring on the internet. Wait, wait, wait! TNT is we know drama. What is characters welcome? 
Oh, USA. USA. Damn. Uh... I flubbed that. Uh, Sorry, keep friend request. This bit. Hey, I gotta say, this this setup is uh, TBS very funny. <laughs> uh, friend request is um, is about a girl, uh, a popular girl in school. I believe it's college, like early college, and uh, she uh, meets. She comes in contact with this goth new uh, transplant to to campus, who uh, she she decides to have a. Friendly conversation with, and and the, the goth gloms onto that by, uh, you know, hitting her up on on social media on Facebook specifically. Um, although I'm not sure also, if they use the actual. We should, we should mention this movie was made in what, like, when was it? 26. It was like when, no, no, it was like 2014 or something, and then delayed. It was, okay, it was well, something like that. Either way, even 2014, like goth wasn't. It's or Facebook. No one's goth anymore. You know the That's funny thing. The funny thing about well, I guess Facebook is used in dark web. But uh, Bo Burnham said in eighth grade that he he planned to like make most of the conversation take place on Facebook, and then his his actors were like, nobody uses that anymore. Uh, so anyway, um, it's about this goth who gloms onto this popular girl because she's like the only person to give her attention. And basically, um, like the sketch of Unfriended, she becomes, er, you know, turns into this um, supernatural story about this girl who is killing uh, someone's friends and then posting them on her wall to make it look like she's posting the photo or the the videos herself and. The stakes, which are very important here and very high, is that her friend request is going down. Oh, no. Or no, her friend count is going down. Steve, do you know the anxiety of losing friends on Facebook? Bro, I never lose followers. Come on. <laughs> on Facebook, they're friends. On Twitter, uh, they're followers. I'm, I'm always, let I'm me always tell you, that hot losing friends... <laughs> I've noticed. Yeah, I've noticed. I haven't muted you at all. Um... I will tell you, losing friends on Facebook is, uh, I mean, anxiety through the roof. God, I, I have a feeling my friend count from the time when I actually used Facebook uh, regularly in college just probably resembles the, the downward trend of Laura's. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth mentioning at this point that friend request does not take place all on one screen. It's exactly what we described earlier when we talked about movies that don't really understand technology and then try and build things through bad production design, set dressing to make us care about everything. Like this is everything that uh, unfriended kind of like circumvents and changes. This just falls straight into every pitfall of every crappy horror movie you've ever seen. It was also uh, supposed to be, it was it was originally titled Unfriended, and then Unfriended came out in Germany early uh, earlier than it did here and they uh, had to um, figure out a new plan, which was part of the postponing, but what did other people think of, uh, uh, Myros what did you think of Friend Request? It's fucking awful. Uh <laughs> I, I mean, I knew it was going to be fucking awful, but I was hoping, again, I was hoping for truth or dare. I was hoping for uh, some dumb fun. And this movie starts out that way. Like, the first 15, 20 minutes, I was like, okay, this is real stupid. I'm going to get behind it. And then, I don't know, somewhere along the line, it just... The occult stuff is so <laughs> convoluted. It's, like, slightly too competent, like to the point where it's not entertaining. There's nothing you can like glom onto that's like egregiously wrong. It's just boring as hell. Like the last 
two thirds of this movie, I'm just like, please fucking wrap it up. Yeah, it's just... totally derivative. I because basically it's like the images from the ring, but yeah. they were on your Facebook wall, and it's like, what? I don't care. That's not interesting. It's something about I mean... like her having to like when something about like when she was a girl seeing her face in a black computer monitor. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's well, the main thing. I feel, yeah, I feel like that that seems right. like that was the the genesis of the whole script. It's like they someone found something out of like a black mirror and it's like a witch thing, and they thought they like stared at a computer monitor that was off, and they just thought it was really like that's like a black mirror. That's deep, and then they made an entire film with that being the central image and it's not a good image and the rest of the film is basically worse than that that's the high point is I that. think it does it, it almost resembles Truth or Dare more I think Myris you might have said this uh, as well it, it ends up like the cult stuff ends up resembling Truth or Dare a little bit more it's just not as fun oh it's nowhere near as fun like I said it's just Truth or Dare is many things but it's not boring at all it's like continuously finds new ways to entertain Usually through incompetence, but this movie's like workmanlike and just it's, just <laughs> it's a J, boring. yeah, it's just the J horror thing. It's like the you know, she's in a dark room and the camera moves a little bit, and will a figure appear unexpectedly at the, over her shoulder in the top left of the frame? Oh, it does, okay, cool, we, you know, and it's the same images, you know, of like there's these children whose faces were stung by wasps because witches and wasps are a thing, and but that's. It, it, but it's accompanied by this ticker, this running ticker of her friend. Friend, yeah, her friend. Like, which, which is like dramatically, as we may, as you may have guessed, is like who cares? <laughs> who possibly could log into Facebook when their best friend just died and go, "Damn, I've lost some friends on here." And that's the whole film hanging, like to the point they put it up on the screen and in between, like, and shows a ticking down by one or by several if she lost more friends after a particularly vicious attack by the ghost. And that's and that's it. And she has to go into a field to invest. She has to go down into a cellar so, to investigate what's happening. So even though Steven Susco and uh, the original uh, director of Unfriended, uh, uh, Gabriazzi, uh, these men are not in their youth. And presumably are not, you know, uh, using social media the same way that teens are and young young adults are. And yet those films have a verisimilitude. This movie, I don't know anything about the dude's background, but th- this, this seems like it was made by an alien who just uh, was, like, briefed on what social media is. Well, I just know his name is Verhoeven, which is not... Oh, right, name. right, right. <laughs> Like Sam Verhoeven or something like that. Simon Verhoeven. Simon Verhoeven. Yeah, he's not related to Paul. Uh, no. That's I think maybe his fir- the first piece of trivia on his IMDb page is basically I feel like Paul Verhoeven may have logged on somehow just to confirm that he has nothing to do with this. But uh, yeah, it's 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 we talk about like the production design, the Unfriended. Like there's and there's all these great little details. Like in the first Unfriended, at one point she empties a recycle bin. And there's a file in there that's like a torrent of Saturday Night Live with Miley Cyrus on it. And it's all, but it's all titled perfectly like an actual internet torrent. Not that I'd know what those look like. But, but it's titled perfectly, all the keywords and everything. And it's like just those little details show that while the director of the film is an older Eastern European gentleman, I believe, who may or may not know a lot about the internet, the production designers and the people who put it together clearly did a whole lot of research and it's all da- nailed down. 
on well, a friend request just has none of that. There's it, they, it like you barely even need computers to make the film. Like that's I think what the crux of it is honestly you could remove the computer element and the film would still hang together as just a shitty Ringu knockoff. If 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 Paul Verhoeven made Hollow Man, uh, Simon Verhoeven made Hollow Movie. Steve, how does that theme song go again? <laughs> and a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Let me take you to the movie, shorty. I'm sure later on you will be my baby. Let's sit down and just be by my side. I got the popcorn, I know what I do like. There we go. How great was that? Uh, so, yeah, Steve, uh, in case you, were, you weren't listening, the, the end result is yes. Friend request is fantastic. You you must. Uh, no, actually, I I, I wasn't listening because I, I queued up another movie that I found on Netflix. It stars Miley Cyrus. It's called LOL. Uh, so I'm just gonna watch that. Wait, is that is that uh, uh, by Fairhoven? Because I knew he made L. I don't know if that's like oh, the sequel. Oh yeah, yeah. The it's, sequel. It's, it's actually it's the third movie. Um, it was L O after that, and now it's L O L. So uh, yeah, it's it's pretty great. You know. <laughs> Love that, Miley. <laughs> but yeah, that sounds fucking terrible. Um, and also, I, I, I haven't actually watched the Miley Cyrus movie, but that's another one where I've read about it, and it, it seems to fit squarely in with the, this is written by a 60-year-old man who has never actually used the internet before. So, super pumped about that one. What is... Oh, I just thought of the name of it. That other terrible horror movie that doesn't understand how children work or how social media works um, hashtag horror <laughs> what the, that movie doesn't have to do oh it totally does it's, it's so all about kids being dicks to each other on the internet that's the whole thing um, I have I have some uh, I have some weird news for up factors oh, yeah? um, and uh, I mean Bloomhouse uh, so their next movie I was trying to figure out what their next movie is and, and sort of where what we can look forward to didn't we already the, discuss this? Yeah, uh, we we missed one. Blumhouse, right? Oh, okay. Sorry, Blumhouse Productions. <laughs> um, their next movie comes out two days from this recording on August seventh, twenty eighteen, uh, via video on on demand and DVD. It's called The Keeping Hours, and it's. It, the, here's the plot: A lawyer sees the ghost of his dead son, which leads the man, which leads the man's estranged wife back into his life. And that's a pretty paltry plot, but uh, nobody's talking about this. I wonder why. It's got Carrie Coon. I'll watch it. Otherwise, um, otherwise, we got uh, Black Klansman this month, and then Halloween. Um, See, so yeah. Sean didn't find this uh, uh, the last time we looked up their. Uh, no, your upcoming slot because he was searching for Bloom House. <laughs> yes, yes, Bloom House. Uh, I put an umlaut. I put an umlaut over the U, and I couldn't find it. Uh, well, like well, listen, what, listen what, guys. What I'm saying is, yeah. Steve, I'm sad that we're not really going to get like because we got we got Black Klansman, we got Halloween, we got Glass, we got Us by Jordan Peele, uh, and, and until something pops up, this is this is uh, Unfriend of Dark Web is like the last like really like you know fun. Uh, Bloom, Bloom, sorry, Blumhouse, yeah. Blumhouse, Blum, <laughs> God damn it, Blumhouse are, movie. We're yeah, gonna well, get you know, it's because it's, can anyone, it's it's Oscar season for Blumhouse now, so they got their heavy hitters coming out. Can anyone explain why Halloween's being released in September, just as a, a protest to <laughs> nothing? Why is October nineteenth? It's October nineteenth. 
I thought I saw the trailer before and it was coming out and maybe it was some other horror movie like clear horror movies coming out in September oh wait what uh, there's this, this this film that's set in a fun park oh yeah scary, spooky theme park, park. it's the spooky jam yeah spooky yeah and it's literally it's literally um, to- Toby Hooper's uh, whatever what's that this what's the fun name house? of that movie the fu- fun house basically but fun um, house yeah, fun, foon, foon house, foon house. <laughs> Toby Hooper's Spooky Jacket. Spooky Jack is set for 2021 now. What know. the hell? Well, and well, it didn't even have art, so that makes yeah, sense. yeah. I'm 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 excited for for Spooky Park, and uh, I'm most excited for Slender Man well, myself. I believe it's Maybe Spooky that's Park. Man, that's true. Myros, are are you upset because? You know, I, I know that you don't like remakes and stuff or, or movies that rip off other movies. And I, I also know how big of a fan of Clown House you are. So it, do you think that is going to impact your, your interest in this film? Uh, it may. Uh, you know, I, I think I require a certain amount of uh, underage new <laughs> <laughs> You better watch out. You're about to get you know James who, gunned, man. Yeah. Mike Cernovich is going to go, you know, um, you know what, Adam Myros is running a pedophile ring out of a pizza box <laughs> in his bedroom. It's you know, I, I do have the uh, I do have the director for you. His name is one Victor Salva. Uh, you mean the exact director? We oh, oh, Sean. What is, is that? <laughs> Sean, Sean, Sean. It all fits You precious together. baby. Well, listen, what what are the other horror things that I want to talk about before we move on to putovers and get the fuck out of here is big news on the optimism vaccine front. Uh, they are actually making an optimism vaccine movie. It's being produced by Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes. It is about a podcast that kills... So look forward to that. Uh, it's mostly going to be about Sean's jokes, and then people office. just drop dead. It's really weird. I hope I hope the tagline <laughs> is very pun. No. All right, boys. Well, we got to wrap things up. Thank you for talking about uh, desktop horror with me. I've I've had a wonderful time today. But I need to put over something important. Normally, I ask you guys to go first, but I want to go first because I saw a great movie a couple weeks ago. It's called Sorry to Bother You. And if you haven't seen Sorry to Bother, you should probably see it because it's completely fucking bonkers and off the wall. And it is ostensibly about a guy who takes a job at a call center and then sort of uses code switching to use his white voice in order to get ahead in life, all while fighting against the big capitalist machine, although not really. He's kind of complacent. And then there's a lot of horse cock in the third act, which Sean wasn't into. But the reason that I like it so much is because I I think it surprised me in the way that it it resolves its conflict or doesn't resolve its conflict. So normally in a a movie like this, you'd expect, you know, either the capitalist machine triumphs or the, the union fights back and everybody wins. But in this, it's just like everything's fucked. And the answer is you you can't fix this problem simply by unionizing. So we're going to have a bunch of anthropomorphic horse people with big dicks literally kill their master, uh, which I'm totally into. So murder your boss, OptimismVaccine.com. Jake, what are you putting over this week? It's a good question, Steve. And like you said, there has not been many great films to come out this year. But one film in particular that tickled me uh, is a film called uh, Sorry to Bother You. Uh, in, a, in an alternate present-day version of Oakland, black telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success 
which propels him into the macabre universe of power calling that leads to material glory. But the upswing in Cassius's career raises serious red flags with his girlfriend Detroit, a performance artist and minimum wage striver who's secretly part of a Banksy-style activist collective. As his friends and co-workers organize in protest of corporate obsession, about to get Cassius falls under the spell of his company's cocaine-storting CEO, Steve Lift, who offers him a salary beyond his wildest dreams. If this sounds like the movie for you, I implore you to go see. Sorry to Thank bother you. Thank you for that IMDb summary. Uh, Jack, that Jack really what, are you, what are you putting over this week? <laughs> Well, I really, I really wanted to put over Open Windows, everyone's favorite 2014 movie starring everyone's favorite Steven Soderbergh star, Sasha Gray, uh, which is also an internet <laughs> online thriller, but it's also not a good film, so I'm not going to put it over. But uh, if you want to see Sasha Gray and not doing most of the stuff she's associated <laughs> with, and Elijah Wood looking very much like Elijah Wood, fully recommend the film. Um... I'm going to put over a horror film that I saw recently called The Devil's Doorway, which is not... It's, I'm not going to claim... I don't want to make grand claims this is a brilliant horror movie. It's amazing, whatever. But it really, I really enjoyed it. It's a found footage film, which I know, 2018, they're still making them. But it kind of works. It's set in Ireland in a Magdalene laundry. These are places, actual places that existed that the Catholic Church sent fallen women and basically used them as slave labor. Um... And it's just, it's basically, it's a ghost story. It's about, they, they go to this old creaky building and creaky ghosts start popping up out of nowhere. But it's a pretty fun film. I really enjoyed it. It's less than 80 minutes long. There's not a lot of horror movies you can say that about these days. And uh, it, it it's nothing new, but it, it really, I thought was just really fun. And it has kind of a good bit of, you know, God, the Catholic Church are awful in it, which always, you know, makes me more amenable to it. So um, Devil's Door is being released. I don't know if it's getting much of a theatrical run, but uh, IFC Midnight are putting it out on DVD and Blu-ray. So if, if you find it around, it's worth 78 minutes or so of your time. Yeah, good point. People should go and see Sorry to Bother You. Uh, Myros, what are you putting over this week? <laughs> You know, I I love Patton Oswalt. Uh, <laughs> David his, Yeah, I love how he's he's seen a movie every day for like twenty years or something. Yet all he fucking talks about is Star Wars. Uh, so when I saw he had a new movie coming out in theaters, I had to go see it, and I, I got to recommend that to our audience. It's called uh, Sorry to Bother You. That's a great recommendation. So so I take it you are a big fan. A uh, huge fan. Go Giants. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sean, what are you putting over this week? Uh, <clears throat> I, I, I'm putting over a movie called Streamers uh, by Robert Altman. Um, this is a movie. I've been doing some Altman uh, catch-up. So wait, and, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. Movie before you continue, I, God before damn you continue it. This, this, isn't, this isn't about <laughs> Twitch, is it? Uh, okay. No, okay. streamers would be a funny, funny movie to continue in the uh, desktop mise en scene uh, tradition. But like they were watching a movie or something, that would be <laughs> funny. Um, uh, streamers by Robert Altman, nineteen eighty three film. Uh, this is essentially a cha- chamber drama uh, set during Vietnam, and uh, I believe it's taken from a play. It's during uh, Altman's stretch where he did like uh, four or five movies in a row that were all adapted from plays. Um, this is uh, <clears throat> takes place between a few. Uh, 
soldiers while they're in their their bunk in their like cabin uh matthew modine uh and david allen greer and uh another guy uh michael wright um and they uh one of these men um is gay and it's about uh david allen greer and matthew modine struggling with that and um Basically, I'm recommending it because when I started to to uh, get into to Altman, dive back into him, I know Altman is sort of this cynical guy, this director who makes uh, movies where um, uh, it usually has a large ensemble and he takes a, like I said, I guess cynical is just the best way to, to, dis- to describe a lot of his movies. Uh, but this is an extremely sincere movie. Uh, and character piece about this guy, and uh, I didn't I didn't know it was in in the gay canon when I started watching it, and I found it very moving. I, I would say that Streamers is like if you want Full Metal Jacket, but just like a depressing version of that. Yeah, film. <laughs> uh, Streamers is the movie for you. It is not a happy film. Un uh, un. This is uh. Too bad, but uh, Streamers is not streaming anywhere. Oh. Um, Unlike its name. In fact, you know, the streamers comes from people's parachutes not deploying. Yes, That's what yes, you call very... someone whose parachute doesn't deploy, so they just stream to yeah. the ground and die. Uh, it's very so, sad. I, I think yeah, the movie does pull a little, or it, it does have, like, some conclusion stuff that feels very much like a play to its detriment. But uh, I think Shout Factory put it out, you know, a few years ago or whatever. I, I recommend it. All right. Well, boys and girls, I think that's all the time we have. So... Make sure if you're listening right now, you look at the description of this very podcast. And in that description, there is a link. Click that link. That'll take you to our iTunes page. Give us a five-star review and write a review. Just write a little thing. Just be like, Optimism Vaccine is great. Uh, I love them. I want to kiss Myros passionately on the Sean's mouth. Sean's my favorite. Yeah, Sean's my favorite. Uh, I, I want to suck his toes. Like, whatever you want to say, say that. Say those things. Make sure you talk about the toes. And give us those five stars. And what that does is it makes us more visible on iTunes. The more visible we are on iTunes, the easier it is for people to discover us. The more people that discover us, the more hot content, that hot, hot, juicy tent that we can create for you. So make sure you take care of that. Also, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, at Optimism Vaccine on Twitter. That's at Optimism Vaccine. Or you can email us, OptimismVaccine at gmail.com. If you'd like to personally insult me, I can be found at Steve Cuff on Twitter. That's at Steve C-U-F-F. Sean, where can people find you? At Mr. Glynis. Uh, that's M as in man, R as in run, uh, G as in guy, L as in lady, I as in insane, insane. N as in none. <laughs> I as in insane again, uh, and S as in sane. Thanks for that, Sean. I want to kill you right now. Uh, Jake, where can we find you on the internet? They can find me at Jake Tropila. That's J as in Jake Tropila. A as in H Tropila. K as in Tropila. I'm not kidding. Jake Tropila. Yeah, I'm on Jake Tropila and all the things. Uh, Hey, Jack, where do we find you? Uh, I can be found at Real Jack Eason, but no one can spell nope, that. Can't do it. And Myros, uh, we can't find you on the internet because you live on a farm. What's your What's your favorite right. barnyard animal? Uh, Wrong wow. answer. That's fine. All right, guys, 
That's no, you know, Kyle answer. is a good answer. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just I, I don't know what came over. Like, I'm a little yeah. I'm a little mean today. I love all of you. All right, we'll be back next week. <laughs> nice. nice.